Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Albion Obsessed podcast. We come to you today on the back of another home defeat. But before we get into that, let's see who we've got on the show today. We have Joe. Joe, how are you, my friend? I'm all good, mate. How are you? I'm doing well, mate. The sun is shining. It's the last day of half term for me. So, yeah, I'm I'm doing OK. OK, mate. Good stuff. Good stuff. Chloe, you were on the telly yesterday at the stadium. How are you? Oh, I'm good, to be honest. I had a good day to, yesterday, other than the result. It was, yeah, I met Moda after the game as well, and that was that was really cool. Um, but, yeah, just the result put a bit of a dampener on the whole yeah. thing, to be honest. It was like, oh, really? But otherwise, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Good. Glad to hear it, mate. And very cool to meet the magic man himself. And as I say, our very own Chloe was on the telly at the stadium. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Curtis, my friend, it was your first uh, game at the Amex yesterday. And we were very blessed to share that with you. We'll chat about that in a minute, mate. But generally speaking, how are you? Groovy, mate. Yeah, all, all good. Love it. And finally, Mr. Aaron Stevens. You were playing football yesterday. How did you get on? I was a uh, tool drill. Two or draw, not too bad. We didn't play particularly well, so I'll take a point. Happy days. But yeah, I'm all good, mate. Thank you. Good, good. I would have certainly taken a point yesterday. Um, but before we get on to the game yesterday, I want to bring you some wholesome content because, as I've just alluded to, yesterday was our very own Curtis Friends first ever live game at watching Brighton and Hove Albion. And we were very lucky, very blessed to share that with him. So, Curtis, before we get into the actual game itself, um, Talk, talk about us yesterday. How were you feeling on your drive down to the stadium? Very nervous uh, initially. Um, I, I, I just, as I say, I passed it so many times and I, I just didn't know what to, what to expect. And when you get there, it's just this whole, it's just unbelievable, man. It's just so crazy. Um, um, it was just mental. It, I can't really explain it. I was just so nervous. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a big thing, and I still, I don't know about how Joe, Chloe, and Aaron how you still feel, but every time I go to that stadium on a match day, I still get that sort of those butterflies, that feeling of it's a match day at the Amex. It's pretty pretty magical. Um, so it was must have been incredible for you, Curtis. Um, we did a bit of stuff outside the ground. Obviously, we did. Um, you met Gully, so that must have been exciting. I did. I did. For you. Yeah, he's my and, childhood hero, so um, it was a big moment. Yeah, and uh, uh, I don't know if you saw our content yesterday, uh, Albion Obsessed listeners, but the big question on everyone's lips was, uh, where's Sammy? Where is Sammy the Seagull? At us on Twitter if you know where Sammy Seagull is. Um, so, Curtis, once uh, we did our little stuff around the ground, we had a drink in Dick's Bar. Me and you rocked up at the Heineken Lounge, at Heineken Lounge and... Uh, Tell us a little bit about what it was like when we went into that reception and what they told you. Well, anyway, we, we, we scanned our tickets and everything. And they said, do you have a, do you have a collar? Can you, you do a collar? And I was like, no, well, what, there's a collar. And they're like, yeah, there's sort of a dress code or what have you. And we were like, oh, we didn't know about that. Um, so we were horrifically underdressed um, to go up there. It was very, very posh. A lot of people uh, all done up nicely. And there was me and Tom there just looking like reprobates. Um, and we got talking to some blokes, and then Tom was like, "You know who that was, by the way?" And I was like, "Who?" I was like, "That was Guy Butters." Um, so we were talking to Guy Butters for about I don't know ten minutes about Lambrettas. Um, so that was fun. Um, yeah, it was just 
really it was really cool up there and I, I could see the stadium uh through the window. There's like a, a window that looks out. And I thought, Oh, that looks really cool, but like when you actually step out to go to your seat, man, that rocked my rocked my world that day. That was crazy. It was just mental. It is so much bigger than it looks, obviously. It's mental. Yeah. And if you haven't uh, done so, I'll be obsessed, listeners and watchers. Uh, we did put out uh, a video of Curtis walking out uh, into the stadium yesterday for the first time. Um, and it was I was really blessed to share that with you, Curtis. So uh, thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. And, it was honestly a little bit emotional for me, if I'm honest at first, because it was just something that I'd been putting off for, for a while because I, I felt like it would be this overwhelming thing that I couldn't do it and everything. And then uh, I'm glad I got to share it with you guys and stuff because it was just so much more special. And thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was an absolute pleasure, mate. Um, so again, again, thank you very much for that. Um, it was a bit of a disappointing um, first game for you to attend, but I suppose you, you know, I think I certainly reflected upon the day on my long journey back uh, to the Midlands last night and, uh, I think I, when I stopped off at the service station, Joe, you had posted a picture on Twitter of, of the four of us um, outside the ground. And I sort of went, yeah, that what was, that's what today was about, actually. Um, less so the result. It was the first game I'd been to since Southampton 2019, where Andone got sent off in the first half. Um, so, you know, it was a long time coming for me, but it must have been um, just something else for you, Curtis. So once again, uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, in the build-up, we got to see our own Chloe on the telly uh, getting interviewed a bit. So, Chloe, uh, just chat to us a little bit about how that how that came about. Because you messaged us a few weeks ago saying, oh, I'm going to get interviewed. Yeah. Um, Richard Reynolds, he um, was doing something in the North Stand, like a bit away from me. And um, I was taking selfies, as you do, well, as I do before a game. Um, and he called my name. And I was like, what? And then he came over and chatted to me and he was like, um, yeah, I just asked that person, is that um, Chloe from Twitter over there? Um, and then when I saw you do the peace sign, I, I knew that it was. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> he recognised me. And it was just like, and we just chatted for a little bit, um, which was weird. And he was like, yeah, I would, would, uh, I would like to interview you. Um, and I was like, okay, that sounds scary, but fun at the same time um and then yeah it didn't happen that week and he said there was like technical problems so they could only do from one stand that film from one stand that day or something um and then he I didn't think it was going to happen yesterday because it was quite like close before kickoff and then I just saw him coming up up the stairs towards me and I was like oh my god but then I realized that he was to like because my favorite player obviously is Neil Mope and everyone who knows me knows I love Neil Mope and it sort of introduced his it was he's had um, 100 appearances for the club so it, that introduced that quite well and I was just like I was just like so I still am I'm still like shook it was it was really amazing um yeah and despite the result yesterday was yeah it was a decent day to be honest um it was just disappointing but that was amazing so yeah, it was it was really cool because we would me and Curtis were just chatting, and then I was like, "Chloe's on the telly. Chloe's on the telly." Um, so that was yeah, it was amazing. Good skills, Chloe. Good skills, and uh, as you say, a really nice way to introduce a hundred um, 
appearances from the old Mopo. Good skills. Um, so let's get onto it. Let's get into the game yesterday. Um, so before we dive into like analysing um, the halves and stuff, I just want to come to you, Aaron, um, because I know you weren't at the game yesterday, mate, but I just wanted to put this question to you because I, I um, just wonder what your thoughts are. So I'm sure that Joe, Chloe, Curtis and myself would all agree that yesterday was uh, was disappointing. Um, so my question to you is, um, even though it was a disappointing performance, um, a lot has been said on social media at the moment about um, people are saying, oh, these are disappointing performances, but a lot of people are coming back to that with, oh, but we're in the top 10. Do you think that our position in the table is deflecting some valid criticism from our performance as performances as of late um i think every team goes through stages through a season where you're struggling to perform doesn't matter if you're fighting for top four or just where we are mid-table fighting relegation i think it's, the more concerning thing is the performances not the actual results i wouldn't really i wouldn't really mind if we were still playing really good football and losing 2-1 or 3-2 you know, and actually attacking and actually having some sort of threat going forward and actually being solid at the back, like, reasonably still solid at the back. But the last couple of weeks, I think really from the Tottenham game, really, realistically, the performance has been shocking. Um, especially last week, obviously I can't comment really on yesterday, but last week especially, um, it's just not been good enough. It's not been good enough in general. We went into, like, went into it last week quite a lot about the performances and from what I've heard and what I've seen on there, uh, it wasn't much better. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I don't think it was as bad as Burnley. I just I said to you, Curtis, it wasn't a terrible performance, but it wasn't very good. It was one of those just very mediocre performances. And I think on another given day, it would have been a nil-nil board draw. Um, so, Joe, do you think it's fair to say that yesterday our performance lacked any sort of intensity? Yeah, um, and as Aaron pointed out, it, it has done since Spurs. Obviously, I know we went away um, in in the middle of the the United game and the Spurs game to Watford and and beat them. Um, but we sort of expect to beat them down at the bottom. But then we expect to beat Burnley and and see what happens against them at home. Um, it's the home performances. They've just this season. I couldn't really think of a home performance that I've sat there and gone, "Wow, this is." fantastic football um I, i'm trying to think now uh maybe maybe the watford game right at the start of the season i i was really and probably, impressed and leicester as well i thought yeah. we were very good the first yeah leicester, years against leicester and then leicester was we good, just got then, battered the last half hour exactly as you say aaron we got we got a bit battered but rode our luck and that's when i'm thinking this season our oh, things are changing for us because any other season we would have lost that leicester game 100%. Um, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, so, yeah, yesterday, again, um, was a, a notch up from the Burnley performance, but that's not saying much at all. Um, as you say, Tom, lack, lack of intensity, nothing going forwards whatsoever. We could have played for 10 hours and not scored. I think um, we've already played for about five hours worth of football and not scored. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's really disappointing and Something has to change. I don't know what's going on. Um, I don't know what's changed. It seems to have been since Dan Byrne left. So what, what effect did he have on the dressing room? Um, it's just, yeah, I, I, I struggle to think of what it could be. 
Yeah, as you say, um, three last three games, seven goals conceded um, and zero scored. Um, we used to be, I say used to be, before Christmas, we were um, very much a team that was hard to beat. Chloe, what do you think that is? Down to Dan Byrne leaving or is there something that's just not not ticking at the back at the moment? Um, I feel like it honestly does feel like a difference at home games versus away games. When we go, when we went one nil down yesterday, I didn't think we can come back from this. Whereas when we go one nil down away from home, it's sort of like, you know, we've come back from this so many times. But then if you think about how many times we have come back from one nil down, then we're obviously conceding a lot of, a lot of like goals. Um, sometimes early on but like we sort of seem to turn up late on in games um although some of the performance is probably not bad but we seem to increase the intensity when we're losing away from home whereas we don't seem to do that as much at home we seem to continue to lack intensity really when we are playing at home um i'm rambling a bit there um but it's like we didn't seem to want to get the ball up the pitch to score. It was like a lot of passing around in the back. And I don't know, it just didn't, yeah, it didn't feel like we were going to score at all. And it was very slow. And we conceded sloppy goals, I think. So I think that's probably the difference. We're conceding sloppy goals and we're still, we ne- we've never been that good at scoring, but we weren't conceding. But now we're, I don't know if it is Dan Byrne that we're missing specifically or the fact that we don't have enough centre-backs well, to play that system properly. Um, obviously, he dropped Duffy, um, maybe based on what happened at the Burnley game. Um, so we had Cucurella at left centre-back and he's not a centre-back. You know, he's, he's a good left wing-back, he's not a centre-back. Um, and I think at Burnley as well, we didn't we played a different system and it just didn't really work. Um, I do think we do miss him, definitely. Um, I really wish we hadn't sold him, to be honest. Um, at the time, I thought that we had enough depth in that position to replace him, but I'm not sure if we do now because we seem to have reluctance to bring any of these youngsters in that were supposedly... You know, oh, we've got Hayden Roberts, so it's okay that we're getting rid of our fifth choice centre back or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but we're afraid to play him. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That was my, actually my the next point I was actually going to come on to, right? Uh, because you're right, Chloe. Um, you know, we've got Hayden Roberts, a natural left footer, who you'd think, um, as I, I said again after the Burnley game, um, you would have thought the back four wasn't working. He was the obvious pick to perhaps come in to make it a back three. Um, but also we did recall Erstegaard from his loan at Stoke. Um, and I thought, oh, we're going to keep him. And then we obviously sent him back out again. Um, so it's, I think what we do miss with uh, in Dan Burns' absence is that ability to bring the ball out of defence. Um, and I think Burnley uh, last week and Villa uh, yesterday did a very good job at nullifying that. And with Webster injured as well, um, as good as Dunk and Veltman are um i think they still need that that body who can do that and that was dan burns job and it is adam webster's job 
And as you say, Chloe, Kukurea, as good as he is, he's not a, he's not a left-sided centre-back. He's a, a wing-back. Um, and I will say that I did think Solly March uh, had a good first half yesterday. I thought we looked the most dangerous when he was... Um, when we were quick and we were direct, I think Dunkey put a ball in over the top. Uh, March beat Cash for pace, stormed into the box, delayed the shot, and it eventually went out for a corner. Um, I think we only did that once or twice. I think you know, we did it twice, and both times it worked, and then we stopped. And then in the second half, March got moved over onto the right-hand side, which I found really confusing, really baffling, um, but we weren't using that tactic more because as I say, March looked like he had the beating of uh, Matty Cash there. Um, but we digress. Let's get, I'm talking to Matty Cash. Let's talk about that goal. Uh, Curtis, me and you, um, we said after the goal was scored that had just come out of absolutely nothing. If uh, memory serves correctly, uh, Villa had a throw in. Um, yeah. It got lamped into our box and I think Dunkey headed it away. And there was Matty Cash, unmarked, uh, rifled a shot in off the post. Um, it just seemed like it came out of nothing, Curtis, didn't it? Yeah, because we, we were watching it. I think we were saying something like Villa weren't even playing that good. We just weren't, you know, weren't that good. So it made them look amazing. Um, but yeah, like you said, it just sort of, it just came out of nowhere. We just weren't expecting it. It was like, oh, okay, a goal. Wonderful. Um, and it wasn't even technically that good or anything from them. And it's just... Again, both goals were just two individual, just they were just errors, man. It was just very error prone, and it was just frustrating. It was very frustrating. Yeah, definitely a very frustrating game. Um, Aaron, I know, as I say, you weren't there yesterday, but I think Chloe touched on a good point in home games. I think I'm starting to lose hope that once we've conceded. I start to lose hope that we're going to get back into it. I felt that against Burnley. As soon as we went 1-0 down, didn't think we'd get back into it. Yesterday, when Villa went uh, one up, I once again thought we're not going to get back into this. Um, are we at risk of letting our top 10 position almost just fade away because of these errors and th this inability to um, come back once we've got a goal down? Um, I think it's a, a mixture of things, really. I think it's we had an awful lot of luck in the start of the first half of the season. Awful lot of luck. We're getting points where we shouldn't have been, and if we if we didn't have that luck, we wouldn't be in the top ten. Like it's as simple as that. And now the luck has started to uh, run out a little bit, and I think the results I think reflect that really. Um, you need luck in football to, to, you know, during the course of the season. And I think we may have used all ours up in the first half of the of Z season. But yeah, it's rough. I don't, I can't really comment a great deal on yesterday. I don't know, like I said, I don't know how bad or how well we we played. But obviously, Twitter's a weird place at times. You don't know if it's a, we could be playing like prime Barcelona. There'll be still someone that says, "Oh, nah, boring football." Um, but yeah, it's what it is. I've this frustrations across the board. I think at the moment from the performances and lack of effort, it just seems to be a little bit of a divide in the Brian fan base as the season's creeping to an end. Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know, from my own two cents, and Joe, Chloe, Curtis, feel free to tell me I'm wrong here. Um, but yesterday, um, 
it was a boring performance. It was slow. It was um, we lacked any intensity, as you say, Chloe, until perhaps maybe the last 15 minutes. There was no intensity. Um, they seemed afraid to shoot as well. Like we said this a couple of times. Like that they they were getting into the box sometimes, and we were just like, just shoot, just please, just shoot the ball, and, and then they would just carry it out or whatever, and it was just just wasted opportunities. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's let's talk about some of these wasted opportunities then. Um, the first one that uh, rings to my mind is McAllister's opportunity. Joe, obviously you were sat in the north, mate, but did you get a good view of that where McAllister received the ball, what, 10 yards out, blazes over the crossbar? Surely he needs to be hitting the target. Yeah, um, I didn't get a good view of it because I was told after the game that he hit the bar. Did he hit the bar? He did. Um, so, yeah, not a great view of it. But um, whenever we shoot now, I, I, I barely get excited honestly, because um, I just think it's going to go sky and over the stadium. Um, the, the south stands low enough for, for some of our shots to go over the stadium, honestly. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really difficult for me to... I get excited before the game. Obviously, we're going to the Amex, we're going to watch football, we're going to go watch our boys. But then when we start playing at home, as we've said all along in this podcast, and people are going to get bored of us saying it, the intensity is non-existent and that's what makes me the most frustrated two nil down yesterday the players are, are jogging around sort of thinking oh do we have to attack it's sort of like basuma picks the ball up gives it to lamptey and lamptey's like oh, i'm the only one that's going to run here and then everyone else trails behind him waiting waiting to get the ball lamptey then gets in a position to cross the ball and then the cross goes behind the goal are these not things that are practiced on the training ground? Are these not things that Premier League footballers should be able to deliver? Um, that our, our shot on target yesterday from Neil, credit to Neil because he's running his absolute ass off. Not yeah, getting I'll the tell, service I'll tell you one point. When we were, um, I think the second half, it was Neil, Neil came back to defend because that's what Neil does, and you could just see he, you could just see on his face he was angry, and. We said, didn't we, Curtis? He's just so isolated again. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just really isolated performance, and I, you could just tell he was cross. You know, he yeah. was. I think he was on the touchline nearest to us, and he just looked angry. And That's what I'm I, screaming the whole game. I'm screaming, "Who the hell's going to help him?" Yeah, he stood in the, the middle, completely isolated. The referee did not like Neil yesterday. I tell you that. <laughs> He was, uh, the referee didn't like us at all yesterday. The referee was a joke for both teams, to be honest. Mm. Um, that was one of the worst refereeing performances I've yes. seen. And who was it? The Burn I don't know who it was, but Burnley was bad. Um, obviously, we've, we've made our points very clear on the, on the previous podcast about that. But the referee had zero authority on yesterday's game. Four yellow cards in the space of 20 minutes. And I think it was nine yellow cards in total. The players are just having a free-for-all. They could just kick whoever they wanted. The referee is like, oh, well, I best give you a yellow card for that. The players are just thinking, oh, we can do whatever we like. Great. Yeah, it did seem like quite a petulant performance from the players. Very theatrical at times from both teams, I thought. Um, again, lack of consistency. Um, me and Curtis, we noticed that when... Trossard was booked with a, for a coming together with, I can't remember who it was, but not 10 seconds before, Trossard had 
been fouled and the referee waved play on, then Trussell almost did identical, did the same thing to the Villa player and it got blown up and he got booked for it. And it's just, it's just frustrating because, you know, if you're going to give that, you know, you've got to give it the other way. Um, but no, I thought the referee lacked control of the game um, and it wasn't, it just wasn't pleasant to watch. Um, it was a game of few, few chances. One thing that did really make me cross yesterday uh, was Trossard. Um, I wasn't particularly impressed with him yesterday. I thought he tried to do too much himself. Um, he he didn't pass the ball when he was in a tight space. He'd rather try and take a player on, which I'm all for. Um, but when you're surrounded by two, three Villa players, probably just you know pass the ball. And there was a moment in the first half as well where um, he had the ball out wide. And there was, I think it was McAllister was free in space inside the box. It was either McAllister or Mudder inside the box, completely free of space. And instead of doing the pullback, the cut back to him, um, he crossed it into a box full of Villa players who were set up, ready for the cross to come in. Um, so just a very, very frustrating um, half, um, whole game from us, really. Um, so a little bit about the second half then. Um I was hoping that we'd come out with a bit more intensity. Um, but for the first 15 minutes, Chloe, I don't know if you got uh, the same view as we did, but for the first 15 minutes, I thought it was the only time in the game that Villa genuinely outplayed us. What did you think? Um, yeah, I mean, it was one of those games, I think, for the most part, where, you, where we sort of kept the ball a lot, but we didn't do anything with it. And then there was a foul or a free kick or something. But, um, yeah, they definitely, they, well, you thought we would come out fighting a bit more, but they almost seemed to. Um, and it was just disappointing, really. I was, I was maybe even hoping to see a change at half time, um, just to, uh, hopefully try and get, get the, get an early goal and get back in the game. But, um, we really didn't do that at all. Um, and yeah, it was it was disappointing. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, we well, I thought I thought when we came back out, we changed to a back four, and Solly March seemed to go in at right back, which was a bit sort of baffling at times. Um, but uh, Curtis, what a save from Bobby Sanchez for that free kick! Uh, second half, I think well, it was Coutinho. Beautiful save. Yeah, we got a great view of that. Um, it was fantastic. You know, because because. We were saying, I think just before that, we we're like, this is this feels like it's going to be limbs, and we're like, it's going to be one-one and all this stuff, and and then that happened, and there was a save, and we we're like, fantastic, and then not long after that, there was the the other goal, um, and you got to say it was a really good goal from them. Um, they pounced on our uh, our failings as again, um, and that was Watkins, wasn't it? If I remember correctly. Yeah. It um, yeah, it was just it was just good, so good from them, and. Yeah, again, we they just they weren't playing fantastically. I've got, I've got to preface that fact, but we were just poor, so they pounced on that. So, yeah, definitely. Let's talk about that second goal then. So, again, seemingly out of absolutely nothing, one of their boys went down injured. We gave the ball back to Martinez. Martinez found uh, paid the ball to Mings, and then Mings lofts the ball over the top, um, and Veltman misjudges the flight of the ball, and Watkins is on it like a flash. Um, now, Aaron, I don't know if you've seen um, that goal, the highlights of that goal, but you play football. Pace hurts defenders, doesn't it? And something that I thought Villa did very well was that was they utilised that pace. 
would you like to see us do more of that, lobbing the ball over the top for Neil to run onto? Yeah, I think the only issue is Neil's not naturally rapid like Watkins is, like Ings is, like Coutinho is, like Leon Bailey if he came on. They are naturally rapid players. And if you're going to play that type of football, you need to have, when I say quick, I mean rapid, like Lamptey sort of pace players who can, especially if the centre-offs are slow, because Dunk's not Dunk's not particularly quick and never has been. Veltman again, not particularly quick, never has been. So if you're hitting hitting balls over the top, you know for a fact you're going to get him. You're going to have him in a foot race, hundred percent. You think confidence? Anything? As soon as Veltman takes a step forward, then realizes that he's not getting that ball, you can just sense the panic. And it's a good finish. It is a good finish, but he's got so much time to sort of. He brings it down. He's through on goal, and you just think he's not missing that. Like he hasn't scored in God knows how long, but he's not. He's a striker of that quality. He's not missing Since the chance December. Of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah December. December. Yeah, it was a good finish, and I think people were from what I heard on uh, the radio on the way back um, from Milo yesterday. It was uh, they said I oh, made the wind may have taken it, and just they so picked up all the signs up. Yeah, but then you compensate for that. You think you think about those sort of things. You don't just. I know it's all, you know, you don't want to let the ball bounce. But then you also think, well, if the ball bounces, then you're going to have a bit more time to sort yourself out and get players coming in, covering you from behind. It's just little things like that. And as soon as he's committed and that ball's over him, Watkins is there straight in a flash and, yeah, 2 0 down and no way back. Yeah, very frustrating. Now, uh, Curtis, I know that you need to. Uh... Uh, go shortly. So before you do, mate, I would just like to get your final uh, thoughts on your first trip to the Amex. I mean, I, I said to myself, regardless of the result, um, I was just going to take everything in. And yeah, yesterday's performance was what it was. But um, in all honesty, that was one of the greatest things I've ever experienced. I know that sounds so stupid, um, but it was just it was just fantastic. It really was. And I, I felt so welcomed by everyone there and it was just, it was bloody great. And it may be the first of many. So just, and I want to thank you guys as well for making me feel so you know, welcome as well in the community. I just really appreciate it. Thank you so much. No worries, Curtis. Yeah. So I but I'm going to go now anyway. So, okay, mate. Bye -bye. thank you, Curtis. Uh, and we'll see you again soon, buddy. Take you care. Bye -bye. So, um, yeah, fifth, last 15 minutes, um, Danny Welbeck comes on and Joe, Tarek Lamptey puts in a very rare cross into the box. And then there's the chance. Now, I say I was down in the southwest corner. Um, but was Danny Welbeck's header a free header in the box? Yes, and I would have scored it, honestly. If, 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 I, if, I, if I have the pace to get into where Danny Welbeck was, Danny Welbeck's a professional footballer. He's miles fitter than I am. And I might have still been at the halfway line. But if you plonk me there and that ball comes in towards me, I'd probably bury that. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, I scored a hat-trick today, actually. So, you know, sign me up, Mr Potter. Um, yeah, chance. But summed up. It, that chance alone summed up the game, didn't it, really? Um, Danny Welbeck, free of space. Goal was gaping. Um, when, whenever we get a chance, everyone stands up and I sort of have to look around everyone to see what's going on. 
Um, but yeah, the goal was gaping. There was about half the goal that he, he could have popped it towards, but he's put it wide. And yeah, as I say, sums it all up. Yeah, unfortunately. So um, it's a shame, really, because on the very few occasions that we did get behind the Villa defence, we did look somewhat dangerous. Sure, we only had one shot on target, which I believe came in the 79th minute, which was Neil Mopé's uh, shot. Um, but everything else uh, was off target, um, deflected, went behind for a corner, um, hit the bar from McAllister. But as you say, Joe, that pretty much just summed up our performance against Villa. Slow, dull and boring. And that brings us on to uh, one of the talking points um, that was on Twitter. Um, I can't remember the exact timing of Villa's second goal, um, but it was fair to say that a lot of our fans started to leave. Um, and that was noticed by the Villa fans who were just below us. They were chanting about, you know, you're going home already. Um, so let's talk about this because. I've got a view on this and this is mine and I'm going to welcome you to chant in as well. Now, because obviously I, I, I get to a game once in a blue moon. Um, so my view is that the Amex is a very difficult stadium to get to. Um, you rely very heavily on public transport. Um, and yesterday, I, me and Curtis, we stayed until the final whistle. But I was in the queue for the park and ride for a good hour. And, the, you know, it was really cold. Um, and then I got back to Mill Road and then I sat in my car for another half an hour or so waiting to get off the park and ride. When it takes that long um, to get out of the stadium and when it's that sort of performance, can fans, Aaron, be blamed for leaving early? Not really. I did against Burnley. Um, it got to 75 minutes and I just was just I was done lack of F anything going forward so I just went you know what fuck this I'm out I said to my missus I'm done I, was like, I just want to get out of here so like, this is embarrassing we're getting out played by Burnley as I like, you know people are always entitled to their opinions um about you know stayed to the end you're not a proper fan whatever I've seen some shit in my time that I've sat through time and time again and if if I leave once in sort of every, what, six or seven seasons. I think the last time I left, we were at the WIF, like earlier it was at the WIF team. Well, actually, no, it might have even been at Seller, so we lost 3-0. And I let, we left with like half hour to go because, you know, it was embarrassing um, years ago. But other than that, I, I don't see the, the point of leaving early. Like, you pay for a ticket, you watch the, watch the game. But if it's, a, if it's a performance where you think, you know, at least they're actually giving some sort of effort, then it's not as bad as the likes of Burnley, the likes of yesterday. Because I think even my, my my parents went yesterday, I think they left with like two minutes to go just so they could get a decent spot in the park and ride. Like, I don't think... I understand people's frustrations. I do. But everyone's got individual things going on. Like, say if you had work, like, so you start work at like six somewhere, in like, like a night shift for me. I'd have to leave the Amex like maybe like 10, 15 minutes early just so I can get get to the parking ride, get back, get to work. So I, I'd rather do that than not go at all. And it, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's just uh, people are entitled to their opinions. And if you don't like it, then, you know, what's the world coming to? People have opinions. 
So that's the whole reason for, for life. If you didn't, if everyone thought the same, it would be boring. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not it's not rocket science. Like yeah, if you have if you don't if you don't agree with people's opinions, then you don't agree with them. Like I may not agree with whatever you say, Tom or Joe or Chloe, but I'm not gonna be like stupid opinions. You know, stupid. It's like your opinion is ridiculous. It's like you're an idiot. Not at all. What's the point? Like what is the to point of saying fair, that? To be fair, I did do that because when it, it was in the Burnley game when someone said that Duffy was better than Dunk, I was like, your opinion is. Oh yeah, well, yeah. To be fair, that that shit that shit is stupid, but. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Joe, you got the train yesterday. I mean, I I haven't gotten the train back from Falmer in a long time, but my experience of the train system, the Southern Rail, is it's either cancelled or like a single carriage or a two carriage train turns up to carry hundreds of fans back into Brighton. Um, what are your thoughts on the whole leaving early situation being a train user? Um, so just recently I've started getting the park and ride um, with my dad. So we find the um, race course park and ride quite good. Um, that's a really nice system. You get away quite quickly. Um, very muddy though, <laughs> especially during these months. Um, I slipped over the other day. Oh, we, we won't talk about that though. Um, yeah, uh, in terms of leaving early, everyone's got different mentality on it. Um, for, for me, I don't care if we're losing 10 nil. Um, I don't care if we're uh, the players are walking, I, I will still stay there and, and clap every single player until they've left the pitch. But that that's my thing. That's what I do. I, I like to do it. Um, no one's forcing me to do it. Do you know what I mean? Um, but then I also wouldn't force somebody else to stay and say, oh, because you're not clapping every single player, you're not a real fan, as Aaron said. Um, people have got things to leave for. Um, people have got families. Um, especially during these times as well, people are still a bit worried about COVID. So if they want to get on a train that's not packed, um, then fair enough. But if you come to football, you sort of have to expect a big crowd. Um, so yeah, obviously people are going to have their very bold opinions and, and call you uh, a plastic or, um, undermine you. Um, that's what I find a lot on Twitter. If you, if you say anything that's slightly out of the norm of what a football fan should be, um, then you're, you're not allowed to support a football club. Um, you're not allowed to have an opinion, um, which really, really grinds on me, um, Ryan Adset um, is is experiencing a little bit of abuse at the moment from from people on on his um, social media because of his opinion. Um, no one should ever experience abuse because of their opinion, unless it's obviously discriminatory or anything like that. Um, but this is a guy tweeting about football. Do you know what I mean? Nobody should be abused because they think that our performances are underwhelming. Like, I, I think our performances are underwhelming. So, oh, oh my God, shoot me. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I, I won't say any more on it because I'll, I'll get quite heated. I, I'm, in a, I'm in a bit of a shit mood today. Um, I can't lie. Um, so, if I have said anything out of the norm or out of my personality, I am sorry. But That's right, mate. Yeah, I, I just um, don't care at the moment. <laughs> Chloe, in regards to the... Um... I think it's a bit of a, it's a vicious circle, I suppose, because people will stay at a game. There will be atmosphere at a game when the performance on the pitch warrants it. But at the same time, these players feed off the atmosphere. They feed off plan, uh, fans staying till the 90th minute. So where do you feel, fall on this whole um, 
leaving early and also bringing it in uh, the atmosphere debate because it's something that's been really heated um, at the moment, especially on uh, social media. Um, I mean, I think it's difficult. It is difficult to just create an atmosphere. I think away games, one of the reasons it's better is because you expect less and everyone's a bit pissed off. Um, so, you know, but obviously when you're playing badly and not the players not looking like they give a damn, it's difficult for the fans to actually want to back those players. Um, I mean, I will always sing when other people are singing. I have last week against Burnley, I did try and sing when no one else was singing and that was really awkward, so I'm not doing that again. Um, but... Yeah, and as for leaving early, I can understand it. Um, it is a nightmare to get away from the Amex. Um, last week, my parents left early and we all got the park and ride. So I had to end up, um, I just got the normal bus back into town and then home. Um, but I stuck around. I feel like either you have to leave early or stick around if you want to get away from the ground quickly. And obviously, when the performance is bad and the players aren't really looking like scoring like it's not even looking like we might get you know a consolation goal or anything like that you're not going to want to stick around and the weather has been bad yesterday it was really cold last week it was really rainy you don't want to stand out for an hour and not waiting for a bus really so um I can understand it definitely um and I I do I will stay most games the only game i ever left early was um Bournemouth a few seasons back when we lost 5-0 um yeah that one I left early because it just yeah less said about that game the better but other than that I don't know how you get a good atmosphere going without performances it's it is a bit of a catch-22 really um yeah yeah, it is. It is as you say, catch twenty two. It is tricky. Um, now, Aaron, uh, I know that you need to bounce in a minute, so I'm going to put this question to all of you. Um, Aaron, you can ask answer first. Um, so, uh, someone tweeted out the other day: uh, Would Brighton finishing outside of the top ten be considered a failure? So, I welcome you all to sort of uh, answer this question, but I'll come to you first, Aaron. Uh, from where we have been this season, I can see why people would think it's a failure. Uh, for me, I know this is going to sound really boring and really cliche, but as long as we don't go down, I will be reasonably happy with our season, which is sounds very boring, very, you know, I haven't done sound like I've got ambition, but you have to remember this is probably the best league in the world. The fact we're part of the best league in the world is still quite incredible. Do I think we'll finish in the top 10 this year? I don't think we will. I think we'll, we've got a difficult run in. I can't see us picking up many points in April, personally. Not April, was it? March, even. Um, and then other teams may start picking up points and then we'll be probably... Round for thirteenth, fourteenth. The 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 thing for me, I will not be pleased about is if and when Palace overtake us. That will be infuriating because we've this has been the best chance we've had in years to uh 
to do that. And if we don't, I'll be very disappointed, probably more disappointed than if we finished out of the top 10, to be honest. I just want to finish above them for once, for Christ's sake. So I don't have to keep fucking hearing about it. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, must must go. Got granddad's birthday to go to. So I'll see you later. Have a very happy birthday, Aaron's granddad. Bye, you guys. See you later, buddy. So, uh, Chloe, same question to you. Would you consider finishing outside the top ten uh, a failure? Um, not necessarily. No. Um, I think I completely agree with what Aaron said there. Actually, um, finishing above Palace. That that's what I really wanted for this season from the beginning was to an improvement on last season, um, which is looking like it's going to be, and to finish above Palace. So if we tick both of those and we finish, you know, 12th, 13th, I'm good. If we don't, um, if we don't finish above Palace, that'll be very disappointing. That's more disappointing than finishing outside the top 10, I think. Um, but obviously then it depends if we finish, if we just finish out just outside the top 10, like 11th, 12th, probably 13 I'd be happy with below that is sort of a bit more you know it depends how we perform in the sort of end of the season um and whether I think that there's sort of six seven teams down the bottom that are really really quite poor and finishing below them would be disappointing so I don't want to be dragged into a relegation battle but um if we're comfortable, comfortably sort of mid table, then that for me is an improvement. And yeah, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, good skills. Uh, and Joe, finally to you, mate, same question. Uh, yeah, I, I think I can just echo what um, both Chloe and Aaron have said that obviously we, w- we want to finish above Palace. We haven't done it for years. Um, they'll take great pride in that, but whatever. Um, hopefully we can do that this season. Um, and again, just to be boring, echo what Aaron says, is that if we stay in a division, it, it is a success, no matter what people think. Um, we we have the opportunity then to, to go again next season, um, improve on what we have done, because there have been some improvements this year. Of course, we've got the results when things have been looking a bit sticky. Um, last season, obviously, we were performing really well, but the problem was that we couldn't score. Um merge those two things together. So obviously we, we've been scoring a little bit more this season or in times where people think we wouldn't um, and put the performances of, of last season, then we can't go far wrong. Um, Graham Potter is building something here. Um, it's, you know, pe- people um, have to still be aware of that is that this, this is Brighton and Albion Football Club. We're, um, <laughs> what, five seasons now into the Premier League and... Uh, we've, I think, improved every single time, um, every single season. Um, so we just got to keep doing that. And, you know, Tony Bloom isn't going to let his hard work go to waste. Um, he's going to want to see us still in, in, in the Premier League for years to come, whether that be finishing 13th, 12th, whatever. Um, we're still getting the prize money and still having that chance to improve. Um, so, yeah, we we need a better transfer window. It's It's no secret that this season's transfer windows have been underwhelming. We could have used that Ben White money and, and improved the squad uh, in multiple positions. Um, just for that more depth, I'm not saying that we should bring in players to replace what we have, because I believe in these guys. I, I think Neil Morpay is amazing. I think um, Leandro Trossard is one of the best 
Brighton players we've ever seen. Um, the, the the class he has. I know he's a little bit inconsistent, but bringing a bit of consistency for him and you'll have teams like Barcelona sniffing around for him. I think they even were at one point in the season um, when he was doing really well. So, yeah, uh, we just have to stay in the division. And as long as we do that, we've always got the chance to, to go on and, and get that European dream. Yeah, definitely. Um, my own two cents on this is if you'd said to me, say 12, if you'd said to me at the beginning of the season, uh, would you take 12th? I would have bitten your hand off because as Chloe says, that's improvement upon the seasons we've already seen. For me, I would be very disappointed to finish outside the top 10, considering I don't think we've spent a day outside of it this season at the end of a match weekend. I don't know if that's wrong, but either way, we spent the majority of this season within the top 10. So if we finished outside of it, I would find that incredibly disappointing. I wouldn't call it a failure, but I would definitely call it a missed opportunity. Um, so let's look ahead then to next week, where hopefully we can put in a bit of a better performance. Uh, we're playing Newcastle next. Now, we tend to play well against Newcastle, but not so well against a team managed by Eddie Howe. So before we sign off for the episode, guys, uh, let's talk about Newcastle. And Joe, do you think it's going to be a tricky game? Because Newcastle are in a great run of form at the moment. Yes, it's going to be a tricky game. And that's because they got Dan Byrne. Um, honestly, the guy is... The, the improvements that guy has made is just unbelievable. Um, you, you wouldn't have thought it. End of last season, he was struggling a bit. But then obviously scored against City. Um, and everyone was up in arms about that. Like, not up in arms. What's the other word? Um well, just going absolutely mental for him. That's so pleased for him um, because I think he scored about three, four goals before that, but they were all offside because he's so gangly and long. Um, so, yeah, delighted for him. Um, amazing uh, first half of the season with us. Um, I think Chloe touched on it uh, at the start of the episode. Absolutely gutted to see him go. Um, I, think to I think it's Toby that says it, that he was our most replaceable defender but we didn't replace him. That's where we've gone wrong here. Um, but just talking about Newcastle, um, yeah, uh, they were always going to improve with the money um, that they, uh, the influx that they had. Obviously, Kieran Trippier's in, uh, been injured last few games. Don't know if he's coming back for our game. Um, no, I think he's out for the rest of the season. Oh, okay. Um, in which case, unlucky for them. Um, but yeah, they 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 have got a decent squad. Eddie Howe, as much as I hate to admit it, is a very good manager. Um, always gets performances out of teams that he is managing. Uh, well, most notably Bournemouth for how many years? Thirty years has he managed Bournemouth. Um, but yeah, um, it's going to be a tough one, um, and I am not very confident for it, unfortunately. Mm, disappointing. Um, yeah, just touching on Dan Byrne. I know we've talked a lot about him in recent weeks, but I'm just going to say it. I think selling our most informed centre-back and not replacing him is a massive, massive mistake. And from what we've seen over the last few weeks, I think the absence of Webster and Dan Byrne, and as I said before, in those positions where you can bring the ball out of defence, I think that's going to hurt us for the rest of the running. Um, but Chloe... Um, Newcastle next. Do you think it's going to be a tough game? Is it something that we can get points from? Honestly, I'm I'm going up there and I'm I'm dreading it because it's a very 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 long trip 
Um, and I'm not feeling overly confident. Obviously, they're in good form, we're in poor form. But then I think sometimes that when you ex they probably might expect to get something off us and we probably won't expect as much. So, you know, maybe if we do win it or get a result, then it will be good for us. And um, hopefully we can start turning the tide a bit because um, we're in a bit of a rut at the moment. Right, so right words. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not confident. I do think we can get something against them if we turn up and play well. Um, I do think they've got some good players now, like Dan Byrne. But um, can you tell we miss him? Um, but other than that, I, I don't know. I do think we could get a result. I'm not confident, but I'm not completely like, oh, we're not going to. I think I think we can. It's just you know, depends if we turn up. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you ten minutes into the game. I'll tell you whether we're going to get something from that or not. <laughs> I, I think um, I think Dan Byrne is the most spoken about player on this podcast since it began. I really I really do. Um, I'll have to go through the episodes and do a play account or something. But yeah, I think definitely. I think it's mad, isn't it? Because as I don't think many fans would necessarily well. I don't know if I'm wrong on this, but I don't think many fans would have been overly fussed about him leaving. As you say, Toby said he was a most replaceable centre-back. It doesn't seem that way at all at the moment, um, but we will see. So just before we sign off then, guys, score predictions for Newcastle, please. Chloe, I'm going to come to you first, mate. What do you think the scoreline is going to be and who's going to score? 1-0, nil, nil Mopay. I will take that in a heartbeat. <laughs> Just to keep a clean sheet and to score a goal, that would be nice. And Joe, uh, what what are you thinking, mate? Yeah, I will take the scrappiest win going. I don't care how the ball goes in the net. I don't care if the wind takes it in, whatever. I don't care if Chloe runs onto the pitch and scores. Um, although it's, it's, a, it's a long way down, to be fair, from, from where you'll be situated. Um, but right, obviously, I, I've been a bit negative on this podcast, so let's try and inject some positivity into the universe and sign off with a bang. Let's go for a very, very surprising 2-0 win for the Albion with Lewis Dunk to score and who else? Hmm. I'm going to say Jakob Moda. Come on. He's got a score. <laughs> he does eventually. Yeah, like that, Joe. Nice and positive. My head is telling me. Hmm, my head is telling me it's probably going to be a loss, but my heart will always trump my head, and I'm going to go with a spectacular one-nil win with the goal coming from Trossard. That's my prediction. Um, but we can only hope for the best because, as you say, we've got a very tough run of games after Newcastle. Um, but it would be the right. Sorry. Yeah, because we've. Uh, no, that's right, mate. Let's play. The, let's hope for the hyper Turk. Um, but as we've said before on this podcast, it would be the Brighton way to lose against Burnley, Villa, and Newcastle, and then go on to beat City, Liverpool, and Spurs because that's just how Brighton roll. So with that, guys, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you to Joe, Chloe, Curtis and Aaron as well for their contributions for today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you like, share and subscribe for more amazing content coming at you soon. So take care, guys, and we'll see you on the next one.
拜。